So people are only going to learn so much. And I don't want to sound pessimistic about that because I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to say. Um, one of the reasons that we want to have experts is so that we don't have to have everybody be an expert. We just want to be able to trust our experts, right? Right. Um, and that's part of why I admire a lot of what you're doing on Tagactomy because you're saying, listen, I've got this expertise and it's not scary. <laughs> Let me explain <laughs> it to you so that at the very least, you can trust me later when I say, I swear there's no GMO crates. <laughs> and I can go like, listen, Brendan hasn't steered me wrong yet. Um, I'm willing to bet that if he's made a mistake, it's in good faith, right? And I can trust him as an expert, as a person, rather than as just like you have scientists attached to your name and they're, therefore all is golden. Um, so what you're looking at instead is a trust issue. Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brandon Black, and in today's episode, we're talking about one of my favorite topics, GMOs. We're coming back to that topic. So uh, here to help me out with this uh, conversation is Amy, a former guest we've had on before to talk about her fear of cows and her love of tigers, which is always a fun combination. Um, Amy, go ahead and remind the audience who you are. Hi, I'm Amy uh, Amelia Kinch. I run uh, Fausti and Nonsense, the podcast network where you provide genre fiction audio dramas. Uh, to straight to your human ear holes. And uh, we've got a new one out re uh, recently called Jack of All Trades. And we're currently casting for another audio drama that we're in the midst of production of called Super Suits about a civil law firm in a world where superheroes exist. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really interesting. And if any of you are, you know, if that's you know, right up your alley, I'll pull all the links down in the description so you guys can always reach out and get involved in this project. So, I, you know, I love getting a lot of that interaction going for you guys as well. Awesome. Yeah, please do reach out if you guys are interested in the projects or if you just want links or anything, and I'll provide them to you later, Brennan. Awesome. I appreciate that. So just diving straight into the topic, uh, you know, I, we this is the the third installment of our all-star series here. And, you know, I wanted to bring you back on because we had a pretty fun conversation last time about cows and, you know, animal behavior and all that fun stuff. So, uh, you know, we had to, Brendan, had to spice it up a little bit. I have news for you, actually. Oh, I okay. I have news for you. I pet a cow. Wow. I actually pet a cow with my real human hand. I was petrified the entire time. <laughs> I was watching the tail, like you said, watch the tail, watch the ears. Um, and I kind of just, you know, that scene in How to Train Your Dragon where he puts his hand out and like looks away and is wincing the entire time. That's pretty yeah. accurate. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I no, did in fact pet a cow. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm very proud of you. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And and that that entire scene you're describing from How to Train Your Dragon is a one thousand percent accurate. And it, it's funny you say that because I actually just talked about this in, in another episode I did um, on on a friend's podcast talking about um, animal behavior in terms of like horses, like horse whispers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's I I I basically said that How to Train Your Dragon is like a perfect analogy for how <laughs> basically training like horses and more intelligent animals of that kind of level goes you know a lot of it is yeah. being absolutely terrified but just hoping things are going to work out and eventually they do yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much um there's a local farm and they had like they have geese and stuff walk walking around and and you know from our past conversations i'm not a big fan of farm animals in general sorry <laughs> um, but uh so I was already trying to build up my nerve and I showed up and I parked one day and I was going to go in and grab, I think it was like some fresh peaches or something. Hmm. And there was just this cow just, just <laughs> looking at me. And I was like, oh man, I promised that I would try the next time I came across a cow. So I did. <laughs> I just didn't think it would be so 
Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the best news you could you could have given me. No uh no hiding on top of barns this time. Not no, I couldn't climb fast enough. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's great though. I'm 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 glad that you uh you made some pro- was it was it as bad as you thought it was going to be? It was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, too big. But the cow was the cow mostly just seemed like distressed on my behalf. Yeah, like it was like you seem to be going through something, huh? Like, boy, howdy. Um, So I was well aware that it was an irrational thing this time around, whereas last time I was convinced the cows were going to kill me. Um, So that it was an improvement in that respect. I'm I'm sure the cow was extremely stressed and confused, but (laughs) well, hey, progress is progress. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's awesome. No, but I mean you. You're absolutely right. I mean, cows are, are they're very good at mirroring emotions. Like if, if somebody is yeah. stressed out, they are very pick, you know, very quick to pick up on it and kind of be like, Hey, are you okay? And, <laughs> you good, <man>? <laughs> <laughs> and it can go one of two ways. Either they care about you and try to take care of you, or they get as stressed out as you are. And they usually react very badly to it. <laughs> the cow but. for to her credit, his credit. I don't actually, I didn't check, <laughs> but um, I guess her, cause it was a dairy farm, but um she was just kind of like okay i'm just gonna leave you now like you <laughs> and so she just kind of like trotted off and i was really grateful because i didn't want to go around her i was worried that she was gonna kick me or something um so i guess my plan was to get back in the car but <laughs> if it, if it didn't actually kind enough to to take the leave for me <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome and yeah if it didn't try to headbutt you it was more likely a a, a girl because bulls <laughs> good. doesn't matter how young they are they'll they'll try to they'll try to knock you around i mean they can don't get wrong you can get a really nice bowl but a lot of the time they'll at least try to push you around at least a little bit sure they're playing or exactly. learning how to do all that stuff yeah same with tigers like a lot of people try to be like you know oh yeah big cats are all just cats like yes exactly and your cat is much much smaller than a tiger. <laughs> right <laughs> when it lacks the string you toss it's uh hitting with its full strength and so will the tiger <laughs> right <laughs> exactly no, bulls, bulls are the same way. I mean, they'll butt heads with each other, but they don't realize that if you if you try to butt heads with them, you're probably not going to win. Yeah, <laughs> they're just trying to help you. <laughs> yeah, they're you know they they don't they don't think that they're hurting you. You know why why aren't you stronger? Right, get a better skull. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, no, I'm I'm very I'm very glad to hear that. I'm, I'm glad we made progress since our last episode. <laughs> I'll take it. So GMOs, Brendan. Yes. Um, I wanted to talk to you about GMOs because, all right, so as I may have mentioned before, I'm in Boulder, Colorado, which I like to call the friendliest cult in the world because there's so <laughs> many people who pa- are passionate about so many things that it is, it's got that level of intoxicating, like, oh my God, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm so excited about it for you yeah. that it's so easy to slip into new hobbies or habits or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I swear everywhere I've been going lately, I've been meeting somebody who started a new business. Um, and most recently... Uh, it was a guy who'd been working in the restaurant industry for God, it was something like 25 years. And he'd been like a professional waiter. He'd been a restaurateur. He'd, he'd done the whole mix, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of found his last station as a bartender and realized how limited his options were with liqueurs, of all things. <laughs> um, and I know, I had never thought of that as like a limited field, but apparently this was something that, that like the quality liqueurs are just not a thing that you can really get without knowing a guy really and so he said okay well it's not actually that hard to create liqueur that's of a high quality there's just this total sparseness for like flavor combos and profiles and things to do with them i've got free time it's 2020 i'm stuck at home i might as well and he started up his own business and he was telling me about how he insisted on using 
uh, non-GMO foods, because um, he does like a lot of distilling and stuff, I guess. Um, hmm. I don't quite remember. <laughs> but he, he insisted on non-GMO um, because the taste was different. And that's the first I'd ever heard of that. And I, I'm sure there's something to that in the sense of it is, in fact, a different plant. But I've seen so much of the, the, the non-GMO uh, fad around me. And I also have enough scientist friends to know that genetically modified does not necessarily mean evil. I'm curious what that means from a farmer's perspective. What does non-GMO mean in terms of actually cultivating that? Is that good for the agricultural industry? Is it is it bad? Does it have an impact on taste? Is it something we should care about? That is a fantastic question. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as I mentioned in our conversation before you know, we started the episode, uh, GMOs are something that I hold near and dear to my heart. Um, and for a particular mm-hmm. reason, it's, it's not because I'm, you know, one of those, you know, hardcore like if you don't like gmos and you're then you're dumb kind of people um it's it's because so when i was in high school i I, uh, learned how to do a lot of my public speaking and a lot of my communication skills giving speeches about various agricultural issues um it was Mm -hmm. what brought me out of my shell it's actually the reason i started my podcast in the first place and the first speech i ever gave was on gmos and at this time i had no idea what a gmo was like i i heard like you know the word thrown around because everyone talks about like oh yeah gmos but i mean a lot of people like a boogeyman vibe (laughs) right exactly (laughs) and a lot of people don't even really know you know what a gmo is or what you know some people don't even realize what it stands for obviously it's genetically modified organism um but at that time, I wasn't even aware of that. I, I knew, you know, generally the GMOs were controversial. I knew generally that they had to do with food, but I really didn't have a whole lot more knowledge than that. Um, so I started giving speeches on this issue on, you know, the GMO versus non-GMO, on the health benefits versus, you know, the, you know, whether or not there are health benefits, the environmental aspect of it, the taste of it, you know, all basically all things GMO, because... Sure. I was a terrified little, you know, high school student that could not talk in front of people <laughs> to save my life. And this was like the one topic that I was comfortable talking about because I did a lot of research on sure. it. Um, so because of that, I hold the GMO topic very, very close. Um, yeah, and it, brought you, it literally was your first step out of your shell. That's super cool. Exactly. And it is also one of the first ever like major topics that I covered on the podcast. I did like a few like, you know welcome to the show type episodes where we just kind of, you know, because I, I used to have co-hosts sure. and we just kind of did like intro stuff and we talked about like, you know, here's some fun ideas we could do for episodes. And then we had like a couple episodes just like talking about like, you know, how to have a better conversation and how to, you know, avoid debates and focus on discussions and all that kind of stuff. But sure. GMOs were the first like real topic, real issue that we talked about in episodes. So again, it's kind of like a big, you know, it, it's a big topic for this podcast. Um, awesome. So that cool. being that being said, going into this question, this is something that I've actually kind of been waiting for for a while, um, <laughs> because most of the guests I bring on here are very, you know, either pro GMO or they don't really have a, a stance on it. So they're kind of just like, you know, whatever. So whenever I talk about it, I get super excited and there's like nobody to respond to it because I'm the only person who cares. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so you tell me what whether I should be pro or anti GMO per conversational piece, and I promise I'll take I'll stick to that soapbox for that moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so before you know before we go anywhere, my general stance with this podcast is that I don't you know obviously don't take a political stance on anything. I take a mm-hmm. 
a pro agricultural stance. So, and that's not, you know, that's not to say I support agriculture despite all odds. If there's something that is happening in the industry <laughs> that is not good, I'll be happy to point it out. I mean, um, sure. you know, overuse of pesticides is definitely an issue that, that needs to be resolved. That's something that I point out all the time. Um, you know, deforestation for the production of land that we don't really need to, to be farming. That's something that I talk about. I mean, like it's, it's definitely not something that I'm like, yeah, GMOs are great because I'm super pro ag. It's more so because GMOs can, have a massive benefit towards agricultural production um, isn't it a matter of like potential but like I, I okay so this is gonna be one of those things where i've got like two-thirds of it even remotely accurate and the last third utterly <laughs> incorrect but like it's i i remember um going to the store at one point and i got, I got these blueberries that were honest to god the size of my palm right in and i was like <laughs> that seems rough <laughs> like i feel like that's there's some like water requirements there that might be gotten a little out of control um <laughs> but i also know that there was like a whole history with monsanto with uh genetically modifying things so that they didn't produce seeds meaning mm-hmm. that farmers had to come back to them over and over again to repurchase seeds versus like you know the tomato that is disease resistant and thus can feed a million more people so it seems to be just like a, a raw potential kind of thing is that am i even remotely close to that you're, you're on the right track. So okay. a, a big part of the conversation with GMOs is the what if factor, right? Um, sure. it's, it's, it's not necessarily the results that we have seen. I mean, that is a big part of it. We have definitely seen a lot of positive results, but a lot of it is this could be a really good thing if we needed it to be. Sure. Um, so the, the big, because a big conversation that is being had with GMOs is that, so before I get into that, the big benefits of GMOs are mainly increased yields, so you can get you know larger crops, you can get more crops per you know per plant, you can get you know better sure. quality, all that kind of stuff is a big part of it. Um, resistance to to diseases, to pests, to you know uh, environmental issues. Um, you have crops that are more drought tolerant, so they absorb uh, less water and can do more with it. Um, you know all that kind of like those are like the big benefits sure. to to using GMOs and. Um, not to mention the environmental benefits because it lowers the use of pesticides and, and herbicides and all that kind of stuff. Um, sure. So on top of all that, you know, that's like the the big like selling point for it. But a lot of people are like, well, why do we need them now? I mean, we have plenty of food. We have plenty of ways of producing food. Sure. What's the big idea? Um, which is a valid point. Um, but the big thing kind of going along with what you were saying about the potential of it is over the next they're estimating 25-ish years, we're going to have to produce like way more food than we've ever produced before. I mean, they're estimating like 70% more food than we've ever produced before. Um, And we're going to have less land to do it and we're going to have less resources to do it with because we're going to have a higher population. Um, And that's why we have to produce more food is we're going to have a population almost 10 billion people. And so in order to do that, we need we need a way to produce a lot of food with with a lot less resources and GMOs seem to be the most efficient way to do that. Um, so that's kind of the big thing. It's like, it's, it's great right now, but we're going to need to have the practice of it done in time to make sure we can do it when we actually need it. So that's, if that, if that makes any sense, that's kind of the big idea. It's kind of a a great emergency response, but the emergency hasn't occurred yet. Um, Exactly. We predict that it it is likely to occur in the future at some point, given and granted, I mean, population expectations have likely gone all through the recycling bin after 2020 but (laughs) it's uh, a matter of (laughs) i kind of wonder actually but um (laughs) 
but it, it is still a potential emergency to happen at some point that it is a good thing to be prepared for or to know how to handle. Okay. All right. Yes, exactly. So that's, that's kind of the big idea. You know, before we even get into the, is it good or is it bad? It's important to kind sure. of understand, you know, why are we even messing with this in the first place? Sure. Um, okay. So, and, and, you know, the other big thing is people are like, well, why can't we just mess with the technology when we get there? It's like, well, first oh. of all, <laughs> People don't take very kindly to a technology or, or a product that we just released that hasn't been tested properly. Um, you know, right. it's GMOs have been in the in the uh, scientific sphere for the past 25 years, and they're still not being accepted properly. So yeah. it, it takes time. I mean, it's going to be gonna close. Say, if, if 2020 has taught us anything, <laughs> people really don't like change. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> willing to risk their life over it, in fact. Like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's it's gonna take. I mean, we'll be at like fifty years into producing GMOs by the time we're expected sure. to really need it, and that's why it's important to mess with it now. So, um, okay. and that causes another big misconception. People think that everything is genetically modified. It's really really hard to find genetically modified foods. Um, really? There there are some. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like corn, soybeans, cotton. That stuff is like most sure, of it. Sure. Like I mean, like ninety two percent of corn is genetically modified. Um. And like ninety four percent monoculture issue with corn and stuff because of that, or is that something different? Am I tapping at, tapping at something else? Uh, th- they're related. Um, GMOs actually okay. help with with the monoculture issue, and they also contribute to it in a different way. Um, Got it. so <laughs> it's <laughs> with anything in agriculture, it's complicated. Um, <laughs> but a lot of a lot of the the crops that we genetically modify nowadays are crops that we either mass produce, so like corn and soybeans, which we use for animal feeds, um, sure. or they're crops that are that have run the risk of going extinct because of massive disease spreads, and we've had to genetically modify them to save them. Got it. Okay. So besides that, like, you know, like you'll see like, uh, you know, in the story, you might see grapes that have like the non-GMO label on them. There's never been such thing as a GMO grape. It's never existed before. (laughs) Okay, got it. So So any grape I come across, I can be uh, relatively certain that (laughs) it's not a GMO grape. Cool. Exactly. So it's it's caused this big old, you know, this big old debate that's been going on where everyone's like, well, I want all non, non-GMO stuff. It's like, okay, so you want normal stuff sure. then? Like, right. Mo- <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is the same as before. Got it. Right. So a <laughs> lot of people... Kind of equated to all natural kind of thing. Right, exactly. Like, what, the synthetic orange? Like, it's an orange. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So that's okay, kind of what, like, the non-GMO refers to from the, like, farming perspective is it just hasn't been... It hasn't been manipulated in a lab per se, um, because I mean, if we go okay. like off of like the basic gen, you know, the basic definition of genetic modification, everything is genetically modified. I mean, I was gonna if- say because I, I use the orange offhandedly, but the orange is the product of like what the citrus fruit original citron and like lemons or something. I don't remember, but it was like basically everything like up to Darwin's pea pods and everything, right? Right. Yeah. So I mean, like oranges okay. themselves, as as an example, to use your example, um, are a product of. Uh, I believe it was mandarins and pomelos or something like that. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, which was you know wild. I, when I found that out, I was like, my, my mind was blown. Um, yeah, I didn't know that like all citrus is basically the same fruit. Right. Like, I, until I got some citrus trees, and I had a friend be like, "Oh yeah, you could just graft an orange tree to that." And I was like, "I like, beg your pardon." Like, yep. <laughs> is that so? Okay. Right. I mean, well, you yeah, you can. There's I can't remember what what they call it, but there's like a if you use a, a big enough root stock, you can graft like three or four different varieties of citrus Franken onto trees. the same tree. Yeah. And, yeah. Franken trees. They're yes. so cool. <laughs> yeah which is awesome but i mean like 
that's not naturally supposed to happen. So I would consider no. that a GMO, <laughs> even though that's not an right. official GMO. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So like far enough from natural versus like I put these two snap peas together and then whoop, I got a new snap pea. Like that's a kind of a just a, a happy coincidence versus a I pointedly made something different here. Right. Yeah. So I for intention is your difference then, huh? Yeah. So for the intended purposes of this conversation to define GMO in the context of it of it being used like the non-GMO label, it refers to something that has had its its actual like genetic code altered through artificial means. So not like okay. selective breeding, not like, you know, natural occurrence. Like you literally like go in there and like, you know, it's like CRISPR kind of stuff. You take genes from one thing and sure. put it into another thing and cause it to have a mutation. Um, Got it. So that's the stuff that everyone is really scared of, which understandable. I, I, I can definitely see people being scared of that. Um, mm-hmm. when you describe it like that though, if you describe it <laughs> <laughs> like sure. if, if you were to tell somebody that like their pug is a GMO, they would probably look at you funny, <laughs> but it's true. Pugs were not naturally yeah. supposed to look like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> come a gr- I've come a long way from great gray wolves, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So okay, it, I'm following. that's kind of the, the basis. And, you know, like I said, like to get into this conversation and have like a legitimate, you know, response to it, you have to establish your definitions first. Otherwise, it gets really messy. Right. That's right. OK, so modified in a lab or by artificial means. Is that, right. is that the definition we're going to stick with? Yes. Sounds good to me. So from that point forward, going into like the whole like non-GMO versus GMO conversation, it, it starts to make a little more sense when you realize why a lot of people in agriculture are, uh, you know, very, what's what I'm looking for? They kind of like, they kind of shake, you know, shake their head when people say like, oh, I want only non-GMO stuff. Because for one, like we mentioned earlier, that's a surprising Everything. lack of, yeah, like, you know, there, there's a surprising yeah. <laughs> lack of things that are actually GMO. Um, yeah, okay. And for two, people are, you know, they, they kind of go on like the soapbox of like, I'm only going to buy things that have the non-GMO label. It's like, okay, well, you're paying more money for the same thing. So right. what are you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know. That's, that's FDA shenanigans. <laughs> that's not cultural and like uh, crop quality. That's. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Got exactly. It. So, and that's, that's kind of the, the, the stance that I take on the GMO issue too. I don't blame any, sure. anybody for not trusting GMOs or for not wanting to buy their product. That's perfectly fine. As long as they're not falling into that you know, that trap of thinking that non-GMO is better when in reality that's most foods. Right. Yeah. Except for those GMO grapes. Those are deadly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Gotta watch out for the GMO grapes. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, But um, there's actually, it's it's, it's funny we were talking about the the dog thing. Um, There's this, Mm -hmm. uh, there's this ad for, uh, you've heard like Triscuit, right? The, uh, the crackers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's this ad that they used to play a couple years ago. This is back when I was still doing the speaking team. And um, I never got to use it in a speech. I really wanted to, but I always used to laugh at it um, because Triscuit like advertises nonstop about being non-GMO. Like that's like their big thing is their non-GMO. Sure. Um, yeah. And in one of their ads, uh, like the lady that was in the ad uh, took a bite of it. And because she basically was like trying to figure out what non-GMO means. And sure. the the label on like the, the thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> the label on the box said like uh, it it combined the name of the product with with non GMO, so it became like non genetic modest kit or something like that, which was just <laughs> sure. a whole other level of confusing for no reason. Sure, um, of course. And at the at the end of the like, she's like non genetic non genetic, and she's like struggling through, it and she's like, oh, non genetically non genetically modified triscuit, non genetic modest kit, and. 
she ends the ad with going, I'm also not genetically modified. And I used to laugh at it because I used to always think like, well, your parents would say otherwise because you don't yeah. look exactly like your parents. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is not an, a- an asexual reproduction here. Right. There's definitely some modification done with intention. Arguably not in a lab, but, we'll t- you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you you were by no means a natural product, my friend. Like, your, right. your genes are not yeah. the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> but awesome. anyways... Okay. That's that's a little side joke I like to push out there with with the non-GMO movement, but um, <laughs> no, but I mean, going back to the the essential question here of you know the actual like farm benefits to non-GMO versus yeah. GMO, um, non-GMO crops are compared. So when I say non-GMO crops, I'm I'm going to be referring to crops that are actually like there's a non-genetically modified version and there's a genetically modified version, so like mm-hmm. corn and cotton and that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, so the non-GMO version of like corn is typically harder to grow than the GM version of corn. Now you say typically, does that mean like it's a, a, a climate thing? Like the GMO version is just more friendly to more climates or soil types or whatever? Or is it like a seems to be toss a coin kind of different? <laughs> so I'll, I'll say this. So so more often than not, genetically, it, it depends on what kind of genetically modified corn we're talking about here. Uh, because like corn that is genetically modified to be more resistant to pests may have the same level of weakness to the cold that non-genetically modified corn has. Oh. So it depends on the environment and it depends on what type like, of pick what your Pokemon type kind of thing. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Pick your, pick your strengths and weaknesses. Got it. Okay. I'm exactly. So if you have, you know, corn that has disease resistance and you have corn that has insect resistance and they're growing, you know, in two fields next to each other. Like, yeah, they're both genetically modified, but one of them is going to survive that, you know, that storm of locusts, whereas one of them is going to get eaten alive. So it's it's not necessarily that, like, you know, you can just throw a net term of, yeah, GM corn is going to last longer than non-GM corn, because in certain instances, that might not be the case. Okay, so you would, like, the clever farmer then would have half a field of locust resistant, half a field of uh, ice resistant or something, and bank on one of them surviving at the very least, yeah? There there are some strategies to that. It depends on your climate. I mean, here here in California, frost isn't as much of an issue, so we'll probably focus more on on the the insects. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's it's that idea. You know, like, you kind of, you pick the, the... you pick the attribute that you want your corn to be able to have. It's, you know, okay. like you mentioned with, with Pokemon, if you're going into a gym fight with, yeah, like, you know, if, if you're going up against the fire type gym leader, you probably don't want to bring all your grass types with you. You're going to want to have some water types <laughs> on your team, right? Yeah. <laughs> so right. it's, it's, it's that idea of like, you know, you want to be able to prepare yourself for what you know is going to be coming. Okay. Makes sense. So in, in that context, the main advantage to, using non-gm seeds or non-gm crops would be price just because gm seeds do cost more they can be harder to come across and a lot of the time they just may not be worth it because some you know it also depends on your markets some some farmers specifically grow non-gm crops for non-gm markets sure sure okay I, this sounds oddly reminiscent of our talk talk about organic then, huh? <laughs> it's Is it's it? very similar, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I wondered so. then. So there's a, a you're basically choosing to sell to either Kroger or Whole Foods kind of a situation, yeah. Exactly. That is exactly what. Yeah. So oftentimes the the non-GMO label that gets thrown around that you know usually costs you know a, an arm and a leg more than the the one that doesn't have the label even though they're the same product sure. that's what yeah. causes a lot of the controversy um because gotcha. you know as we mentioned people will see 
those grapes that have the non-GMO label and they automatically assume, <laughs> well, if these guys have a label, then the ones who don't have the label must be genetically modified. Yeah. I don't want to touch those. Oh, yeah. That's a huge, that's actually a huge legal debate. Um, right. About, so there's a, I, once upon a time I was an attorney. Um, hmm. For those who might remember from my last episode, but um, <laughs> okay, I'm recovering at this point, thankfully. But um, the uh, tort law has a lot of um, precedent about warning labels and mm. whether or not a warning label is apt, needed, or uh, required. So hmm. one of my favorite cases about this is about Ryobi circle saws. Um, and if you don't know what a circle saw is, listener, what it is, is it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. If you've never <laughs> seen a horror movie ever, they strap somebody to a table and it's moving towards the circle. That's the, that's the, that's the bastard I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> now, most circle saws don't, you know, exist in creepy cabins in the middle of the woods set to tear young teenagers apart or whatever. They instead have a nice uh, cover over the top half of the saw that you can use to push the saw itself down while it's spinning so that you can cut your two by four in half or um, do whatever you're going to do with it, I guess. I guess you could still harm teenagers if you, that still so apply. <laughs> but um, so this top half of it was um, taken off by a person who was needing to cut all the way through uh, a thicker piece of wood and use the handle of the saw instead of the push point on the top of the plastic cover. And the warning label on it said, uh, warning, do not remove. And that was it. And so, <laughs> of course, he removed it. And uh, the, the top of it was not just a protection against, like, sawdust going into your eyes or your fingers getting nicked or whatever. It was also a stabilizer. Mm. It was resting on either side of the blade and keeping it from spinning exactly on one axis instead of wobbling. And if it mm. starts to wobble, that puts friction where friction shouldn't be. And eventually, the saw saws through the thing that's holding it in place. And what do you, wouldn't you know it, the guy lost an arm. Now, the case gets more complicated. Because he did this twice, Brendan. He did it twice with the exact same model. He did the same what? thing. He took the thing off. I know. He took the thing <laughs> off. And then he lost a leg. And then he sued Ryobi. And he said... Listen, I know you put a warning label on it, but there's no reason I should have assumed that it would take a limb off. I should have assumed, like, sawdust in my eye or, like, you know, a cut on my hand or something, which I'm an industry professional, and that's a risk that I'm willing to take. I assumed this was faulty product design then, that it came flying off, and Ryobi said, we literally put on the thing, don't take it off. <laughs> like, just don't do it, man. Like, just don't take it off. Um, and this was a huge case. Um, and Ryobi ended up winning um, for all sorts of reasons, but mostly because they have more money. Um, this is the case with a lot of tort claims. And Ryobi basically said their argument was, we could not possibly predict all of the ways you could harm yourself with this and thus could not be expected to warn for it. And, interesting. Right, which has a lot of interesting consequence to it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what's been supporting the whole, you can put like, there's no poison in these cornflakes on, on your cereal box because <laughs> you can elect to choose to tell people what risk they are or are not taking. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of FDA and that's not been officially applied as precedent, but it seems to be guiding uh, legal precedent as to how companies choose whether or not to put labels on. Like they'll say a choking hazard if it's like a box of Cracker Jacks with a sticker in it, but they won't say like also soy happened in this factory, and if you are <laughs> allergic to soy, you might die. <laughs> like so, they can yeah. kind of pick and choose their battles. Um, and, and instead, they can just put contain soy in the tiniest font possible. 
Um, mm. Whereas choking hazard has to be, you know, a two and a half inch by two and a half inch red with exclamation points around it. It starts blaring the, you know, national anthem if you get too close to it. Like it, there's <laughs> levels of warnings that have to have a certain level of um, obnoxiousness to them, really. <laughs> so I wonder how much of that is reactionary too, of seeing non-GMO and people going, oh God, I don't know what GMO is, but I'm, I guess we're not supposed to have it. And then right. slapping it on things. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's that's been a, a massive issue in the agriculture industry lately is having this massive debate. And the thing is like people think, sure. well, you know, if, if people don't want the, the label on there for, you know, because it causes misconceptions, then why are they putting it on there? People in agriculture right. are not putting it on there. It's right. It's you know, the marketing team. <laughs> right. Exactly. And the marketing team does not realize the issues that it's causing for the producers. Right. So, <laughs> um, going, you might get sawdust in your eyes, and the <laughs> issue is actually this farmer might lose a limb. But yeah, I guess that too. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> got exactly. It. Okay. So, so one of the big you know movements right now from from the agricultural side of the of the discussion is that we shouldn't be labeling things that we shouldn't be labeling things for things that they don't have. We shouldn't be labeling things for what they do have. So we shouldn't be saying non-GMO because that causes everyone to assume that everything that's not non-GMO must have a GMO. We should just label the things that have GMOs. Okay, okay. That would make great sense, and I would love to bash the FDA over the head with it. (laughs) um, Okay, so then instead of having... So basically removing the option to have a... This will not slice your leg off um, and instead say, like, this has the potential to throw sawdust at you or this has the potential to get stuck in your teeth or you could, I don't know, choke on it or whatever um, and list the hazards that it does have, which would require identifying them and having contestants on them. So that's a whole nother batch of. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's. Okay, I'm following. All right. Yeah. Like it. And and so and that goes for a lot of other labels. I mean, like there are labels out there like I mean, we talked about organic in our last episode. Um mm-hmm. that's that's a label that is so I think we talked about this before. The organic label is the only label that is federally required. So Okay. All of those other labels like non-GMO, no hormones, no antibiotics, no pesticides, like all of those kinds of labels are entirely optional and that's why they're so common on on foods that do not need them. Yeah. So if we kind of shifted the the idea of that to, you know, this product was produced using, you know, pesticides and, and, and antibiotics, like, yeah, people are probably going to be less, you know, they're, they're probably going to be a bit more hesitant to trust those foods, but it's better than this steak says no antibiotics on it. So I'm not going to trust any steak that doesn't say no antibiotics because, <laughs> right. you know, I, I don't want antibiotics on my steak, even though it's not legal also- to put antibiotics in your steak. I mean, it's like you said before, too. I mean, we're like picking your Pokemon type, right? So there's right. going to be something that this has been made for or uh, protected against. And like antibiotics are not necessarily a bad thing. Growth hormones are not necessarily a bad thing. It means you have to know what they are. Right. Which requires like if everything is listing like this growth hormone was used or this antibiotic was used or this GM in particular was applied, um, then you have to kind of make a choice of like, is that something I'm cool with versus... Uh-oh, GMO. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Okay. And and that I'll give you a perfect example of, of something like this that actually happened. Um, so a few years ago, I think this was 2017 maybe, uh, it, it got passed that, uh, at least in California, I can't remember if this is a nationwide regulation or if it's just a statewide. I, I believe it was mm-hmm. nationwide though. Um, that California, or that, sorry, that dairies were not able to use uh, RBST which I'm assuming you're not familiar with RBST. 
I, I knew of the regulations around it, but I have no okay. clue what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so ex- exactly my point. Most people don't, and that's the problem. <laughs> it's, it's, gotcha. not, it's not that people don't know what it is. It's that a regulation is put in place for something that nobody knows what it is. So right. RBST is a growth hormone that is used in the dairy industry that causes cows to produce more milk. Okay. It's pretty much harmless i mean like there there were conspiracy theorists that basically said like well milk that has rbst in it causes you know uh women to uh mature faster and and to you know like that whole conversation very very little evidence supporting any of it um and when when it came down to you know when it came down to the the label we saw milk that was being labeled no RBST or or no hormones. Yeah. And people were like, well, I don't know what RBST is, but it sounds bad. So I'm not going to buy the milk that doesn't have that label. And this caused RBST to get banned when in reality, RBST has no impact on human health that any studies have been able to find. Oh, my God. Yeah, that tracks. That, that <laughs> sounds about like the legal fiasco. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so, okay. And which would actually like actually put potentially put more undue stress on the animal. Um to have to be in a situation where they're producing milk under more duress than right. the hormone that could help them do that. Okay, wow. wow exactly. Go, y'all. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so, so this is this is the issue that we're dealing with here. You know, the okay. the the GMO issue is not one of you know they're good and you should be supporting them. It's one of don't ban them because they're doing good things just because you don't trust them. Right. Learn about them before, like, because the again, the you're, you're picking your Pokemon type, and this could be adding to the monoculture issue. This could be subtracting from it. It kind of depends. And exactly. It's a it's a big box of potential, and how you use it is going to define whether or not it's good or bad. Not so much the box. Right. Got it. And so, so I, I wanted to cover one of the points we've been kind of dancing around, which is the whole monoculture issue. Um, yeah. Because there are there are some like I said I I'm I am biased towards agriculture but I'm not completely blind to its flaws so sure. I do want to call out some of the major concerns surrounding the the GMO debate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not that so when when I say concerns these are entirely speculative. There haven't been any really reliable sources that have proven any negative effects to GMOs, especially not on human health, okay. which some argue that they haven't been around long enough. And that's fair. I mean, it took us like a hundred sure. years to figure yeah. out that tobacco is bad for us, but, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. a lot of the issues that people are fearful of are entirely speculative, but I still want to highlight sure. them. Um, okay. So one of the big ones is the monoculture thing. You know, people are worried that GMOs are going to take away from, from biodiversity in crops. Um, Okay. which I can see where they're coming from. If we use a lot of GMOs, then it's going to, you know, basically like cause a competition between crops. It's going to kill out other varieties, sure. I guess. But the biggest choice. Kind of the fear is like, we're just thinking that this is going, everybody's going to choose one kind and then that's going to die. Maybe like it's a self-selecting kind of deal. Is that right? That's okay. that's kind of yeah that that's the basics of it which I I can understand where they're coming from but sure. I also don't fully understand it because a lot that of the with non-GMO too right <laughs> right exactly and that and that okay. actually has happened with non-GMOs that's actually why we had had to genetically modify certain crops okay, <laughs> um, okay. so uh, an example of one of these is um I believe it was let me I have the article right here yeah so papaya um okay. back in back in the 1990s uh this is actually by the fda so i mean the the very guys we were making fun of they they actually uh <laughs> kind of are, are supporting sure. this idea so um back in the 1990s there was this really bad outbreak of uh something called ring spot virus it's a mm-hmm. it's a disease that, that infects a lot of tropical crops um mm-hmm. and it basically almost completely wiped out hawaii's papaya crop 
Interesting. So, which, you know, nearly destroyed the entire papaya industry in Hawaii, which is like one of their major industries. And it's one of the only sources of papayas we have. Yeah. Um, And so basically they genetically modified a version of the papaya called the rainbow papaya that is resistant to the ring spot virus. And that saved their industry. Okay. So that's an example of, you know, like monocropping can be an issue because of that very idea i mean if we have i mean the same thing happened with bananas um a couple years ago we actually had a severe shortage of bananas because Mm -hmm. most of our bananas come from uh central and south america and in the in the spots that we were growing bananas mostly all the bananas that we were producing were uh genetic copies of each other they were not genetically different at all we were you know we weren't crossing breeds we were focusing on mainly one variety and so we had a virus come in it was uh, called uh, tropical run four or um panama disease and it came in and basically like wiped out wiped banana out. crops. Wow. I mean, like it was it was bad. Like we were, there was a while that we were not sure if we were going to have bananas again. Um, oh my gosh! Wow. It was it was severe. And the problem with it was those those countries that were growing those bananas refused to genetically modify them because they were so against the idea of it. When right. they finally did it, it saved their crop because it, it introduced genetic diversity by having that you know genetically modified variant in there to, to fix everything. But until they got to that point, we were almost out of bananas for like a while. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, okay. So, so it, both, I mean, the, the struggle of monoculture basically doesn't really change with GMO. Like it is the, the risk of that is remains the same. Exactly. It, it's it's not so much a, a, you know, the genetics of the crop are not the issue. It's how much are we paying attention to what varieties we're using and how, and how much okay. we're switching it out. So. Okay, so then I can kind of see the argument for that then of like if we have this super banana, why would anybody choose anything else? And sure. that has the potential to be more Okay, all right, I'm following a little bit. All right. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of the big arguments. Um there are some other that's more you know, less more... a less a lack of faith in GMO and more of a lack of faith in, in producers. <laughs> yes, that so, that is Okay. I'm following which is, you. Which is which is fair. Human I mean ingenuity is totally fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so that that's definitely a, a big one that I've heard. Um, some of the other ones are more like religious arguments from the sake of like, you know, we we can't defy nature, you know, we can't. Which again, oh, selective Lord. breeding. We've been doing it pugs. forever. Um, cool <laughs> pugs, exactly. Pugs. We got to be cool with a lot of things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and we can't get on our high horse about playing God when it comes to crossing over pea plants when we've done some very terrible things to other people. <laughs> So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe look at some other stuff first, and we'll come back to the snap peas. Like, right. <laughs> we'll circle back. <laughs> exactly. So that that one I think is ill founded. Um, some of the arguments sure. that I think are more valid are uh, one of them being that the technology is just really new. Like, it's only been around for a couple decades, which is fair. I mean, you know, like we talked about earlier, there okay. it takes a, while, a long time for these things to be in a place where we can truly trust that they're not going to have any long term ramifications. Um, what's the what's the response to that then? I, I guess would the complaint be like this is kind of a no control group experiment where we're just wildly releasing this upon the market without really any way of tracing it? Which yeah okay there could be some long term effects that we don't know about yet and thus we have done nothing to mitigate them if they should occur. Um, meaning that what we decide all wheat of a particular kind is only going to Oregon and if it sucks then whoopsie daisy like sorry Oregon. Like, <laughs> what do, I, I I guess what is the because in theory, there could be nothing also, right? So this could be just beneficial, or it could be kind of a pro and con, which is, you know, seems to be the way most of that stuff goes. 
Right. How, what's the response to that? Or is it just don't touch it because it might be bad? So there, it could go a few different ways. I have a couple of responses I usually use when people give me that one, which is, you know, mm-hmm. like if somebody says to me like, well, it's, it's still a new technology, I don't trust it. Um, my, my usual response is one of two. It's either, well, A, yes, you're right, it's a, new, it's a new technology, but we haven't seen any long-term effects just yet. And it goes through, I mean, years and years of testing. Like the first, or genetically modified crops, in order to even be sold in markets, have to be tested for about 13 years on like tons of yeah. different trials to be able to be approved for even growing them, let alone selling them. Um, Interesting. Not to mention, we have only ever sold one genetically modified animal before. Um, we haven't been able to produce any other genetically modified like meat-based product and sell that because people have been so against it so like it's not like we're just feeding it to the people and just hoping they like it it's like we're listening to people too if people aren't gonna buy it then we're not gonna sell it um Mm -hmm. so that's part of the argument is that you know it does go through a ton of testing and it does i mean it has been around for you know a couple decades but it's been tested for even longer than that so it's not like it's coming out of nowhere sure okay Got it. So we've already done significant. This is not like we've just kind of released it hog wild into the market just to kind of see what happens. Um, right. Though I can also kind of see the fear of that because I mean the FDA, <laughs> um, <laughs> the I mean the supplement market on its own is just oh my god. If you ever want to get like really mad really fast, listener, go go look up supplements and what they're required to go through mm-hmm. in order to be labeled as a supplement, and it's nothing. It's nothing. You it, you don't have to prove that it does what it says it does. You just have to prove that it won't kill you immediately. If it kills <laughs> you in about five years, that's fine. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. We'll deal with that in five years, basically, is what the FDA says. As long as it's not labeled medicine and is instead labeled a supplement. Lovely. So if you see something labeled supplement, run. <laughs> run for the hills. It is not even remotely regulated. And it might be fine, but probably not. Yeah. So. So, and, and my other response to them whenever they, they give, you know, that kind of argument, which I, it's kind of, to be fair, it's kind of a lazy response. Um, but whenever people say like, well, I, I don't trust GMOs because they haven't been around very long. I usually say like, yeah, that's a valid concern. But the thing is, in 25 years, we're going to have a population of nearly 10 billion people. We're going to have a lot less land and a lot less resources. And we're going to have to produce about 70% more food than we're already producing. And we really don't have any other option at this point. So until we find better ways of producing that much food, GMOs might be our only hope. And like I said, it's sure. it's a bit of a lazy answer, sure, but it is one that can be effective don't we to owe a degree. It to that potential emergency to try. Right. Sure. Okay. I can hear so, it. So yeah, so there's it, that that one's one of the ones that I I kind of give a lot of credit to. You know, that's that's one that I think that people have a good founding for. But it's one that sure. and I, and again, I always go back to the whole like, yeah, it hasn't been out very long. But we also don't have that many genetically modified crops. I mean, like if all of our food yeah. was like this, and I could see that being an issue. But it's right, not that because much. Then this is something that you can't get away from. This right. Is something that you can still pretty easily opt out of. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And and on that point, I often usually say too, well, don't eat it. yeah that's (laughs) that that is like your entire like like people are like well gmos are evil okay then don't buy them like that's you again very simple yeah you very there are many drawbacks (laughs) to late stage capitalism but one of the good ones is when it's sparse on the market you can probably kill it right (laughs) yeah like at the end of the day this is not being shoved down your throat it's it's an option for farmers to produce more food with with less resources it's an option for scientists to find a way to make sure we have enough food to feed our massive 
the population. And at the end of the day, is cheaper. So it's an option for people who don't have the disposable income to spend on the higher priced food that has a fancy label that doesn't mean anything. Sure. Yeah. Because the last thing we want to do is like go back to a food desert with, don't worry, it's non-GMO. Like, oh, good. Right. Thank you. And now I can pay $7 <laughs> for the apple. Awesome. Right. Um, exactly. It's not exactly helping anybody. Okay. I, I did hear, and this is maybe a question for another episode, mm-hmm. but about like transit for agricultural and agriculture in general mm. could be like a life-saving measure. Like if we could find a way to transport stuff easier um, with less damage to the food in the process, then we would have significantly less shortages. Mm-hmm. Is there any truth to that? Uh, there is to a degree. Um, that That is, a, a lot of food waste is during transportation, um, you know, whether it be damage or food spoiling or, uh, you know, um, uh, hold it up in, in the processing chain. Uh, I actually, sure. a couple weeks ago, just did an episode on the entire food supply chain. I mean, like the, basically the, we call it like the life of the cheeseburger. So like from okay. point A to the time it hits your dinner plate, how, how McDonald's gets a cheeseburger, you know, to you, um, sure. which was really interesting, but it basically taught us a lot about, you know, because the supply chain is something a lot of people aren't really familiar with. You know, you have the right. producer and then you have the processor and then you have the, um, the, like the processors, like where it gets all, you know stripped down of, of all like the extra material and just like the, the best product is left over and gets packaged and it sure. gets distributed and like and then gets sold there's a lot of room for error along that chain um yeah. so we we have people in place to make sure that that room for error is smaller but at sure. the end of the day there's a lot of hands touching that food so there's a lot that could go wrong and that's what causes a lot of waste um Got it. okay so Yes, to a degree, the transit, you know, issue is, is a big part of it. Um, some of it is also accessibility, you know, like, like you mentioned food deserts, that is a yeah. part of it. It's just hard to get food to some of those places, um, sure. partially because of transportation and partially just because, you know, like for example, like, uh, a lot of people are like, well, we, you know, we're wasting 40% of the food grown in the United States. Why don't we just give it to like an African country that's struggling with it? Huh. Well, going back to our GMO <laughs> issue, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some of those countries that, are struggling refuse our food um you know we we do offer food to a lot of those struggling countries and their governments either you know some of the more tyrannical governments that they don't really care about their citizens they straight up refuse it some of the governments refuse our food because of the way we grow it some of them just really can't we can't get it to them in any way i mean I it's, say, it's a lot i mean it's one thing to say we'll ship you all of our bananas it's another to do it right that's very, very different and an extremely intense endeavor that probably will only have marginal levels of success given how many hands it has to go through. Like, even if you have a marginal rate of error, enough margins, <laughs> you will eventually have a pretty significant rate of error. Okay, yeah. Exactly. So, and, and that's that's kind of the, the big picture there is that, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues that come with, you know, hunger and, and with food waste. Um, transportation is, is a big part of it, but um, a lot of it is just because there's, there are complications along the way that a lot of people tend to not realize sure. would be there. Yeah, undoubtedly. And <laughs> lots coming from inside the house too, I'm sure. In terms Absolutely. Of what you're allowed to ship out and everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. So, and yeah, we have we have strict uh, trade. Uh, we have tr- uh, strict trade. Uh, relations that you know influence a lot of that stuff and we have you know there there's like certain areas that we really can't do business with because that might you know make another country get upset and like there's just a lot of like foreign affairs stuff that needs to be worked out for us to solve world hunger that is just not there yet yeah that makes sense okay cool 
So yeah. yeah, we'll have to do we'll have to do another talk about that at some point. That's very interesting to me, the supply chain stuff. Yeah, and that that's a really fun conversation too. And it, it's one you know very similar to the GMO issue that people yeah. have this idea of like, oh yeah, it's so simple, and then you get into it, and you're like, oh, there's a lot more than I thought there was. Yeah, yeah, that tracks. That's pretty much every legal issue ever. Yep, <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh, um, there, there is there is an interesting point that I wanted to bring up that I, I was curious about your thoughts on. Sure. So a lot of countries, um, especially in Europe and Africa, those are kind of the two main main aggressors in this. Um, but a lot of countries are banning GMOs. So first of all, do you, do you have any theories as to oh. why? And second of all, do you think this would have long-term ramifications on their agricultural industries. Well, okay. So as you mentioned way at the back at the beginning of the episode, to do a full a full circle, like a healthy narrative, um, it depends on what you define as a GMO. And law is, law is fussy, Brendan. It's very fussy. <laughs> and basically, anytime you have two opposing sides that are viciously fighting for a victory of some kind, anything that can be made to be skewed in their favor will be. So say, for example, that you are trying to go against GMOs entirely, like your firm has hired you to push for this particular legislation to lobby or whatever, and your job is to just get them to say no GMOs. Whatever mm. whatever that takes is whatever it takes, right? That's usually the objective of the actual like lawmakers in question is that they're either trying to toe a party line or they're trying to plead a particular populace, and it is all what is going to make people happy on like a marketing level. Um, because as they're not tasked with being educators, essentially, um, and the people that they would be wanting to educate is not going to be their populace. <laughs> um, so say you push for that and you push and you push and you push and you say anything that has been modified more than three times. And that is an utterly arbitrary thing. And you might be going, hold on, modified how? <laughs> Does this count oranges? Maybe. That depends on the next court case. <laughs> so, and one of the things that, um, my business partner and I like to say often is that it's legal up until it isn't. Right. And that like, it's kind of the way that like salvia was for a long time. I don't know if you're old enough to remember that whole shtick, but basically salvia was like a off-brand weed kind of a thing. And it just looks like lavender. Hmm. So it was just, it was available at, like Home Depot. You could buy plants of it. And then suddenly kids learned how to smoke it. And because, you know, kids Interesting. Smoke it, <laughs> including, up to and including oregano. Right. Um, but, <laughs> But yeah. salvia, it was basically a mild version of marijuana, and nobody ever thought that was a problem up until suddenly it was, and then it became illegal. Was the plant always illegal? Mm. No. Was the plant always a drug? Totally. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it was a matter of time before somebody noticed. So it's a matter of time before somebody makes a stink about oranges, right? And if you, mm -hmm. the, the issue with building a precedent of anything that says no GMOs in any way, shape, or form is that unless you have something that is hyper-specific in, de in definition, that's going to go bad. Like, mm -hmm. that, there's going to be somebody, we call them bad faith actors, who come in with intention to harm, right? Um, whether mm -hmm. that's to make their opposing counsel or opposing party look poorly, whether it's to artificially cause hunger somewhere so that people are upset, there, there's always a bad faith actor. There's going to be somebody who is going to interpret the most well-intentioned law possible in the most harmful way they can. Um, so you have to assume there's going to be a bad faith actor. And the more leeway you give them, the farther they can run with it. So when you get hyper-specific laws that are like, no GMOs that have been tampered with by uh, Monsanto, which is Bayer now, I believe, right? Um, Bayer, yeah. then only those GMOs are illegal. 
what happens when Bayer buys somebody else or when somebody buys Bayer? Is it still illegal or now are GMOs now legal? Well, up until the next court case. <laughs> They're legal until it's not. So yeah. that is a long rambling way of saying it has uh, the potential to have a huge impact. It also has the potential to have no impact. Because if <laughs> nobody sues their local grocer over the scary GMO grape they found, nobody's ever going to stop selling the GMO grape, right? It's, <laughs> right. It's, if it's not enforced, who cares? It's, it's basically just uh, spouting random stuff and hoping that you get political credit for it, which is how a lot of laws go. Um, <laughs> but, you know, say you get a bad faith actor in there who's like, actually, I would love to cause some starvation in France, and then I'm going to actually force them to stick to these um, weird arbitrary dairy laws that we've got across Europe because I know it will kill like a good 70% of their cheese production, which mm -hmm. by the way is actually like a thing that France struggles with is that there's a lot of dairy production and stuff that has like these ancient techniques or whatever that they use to make it safe that they will not reveal for <laughs> sales purposes and as a result refuse to be regulated. And basically the EU has just gone, whatever. <laughs> and I'm nobody has decided to push. <laughs> we might need an episode on that one. That sounds interesting. <laughs> You should look it up. You'd really find it fascinating. Like I, I, the England's response was to basically put a sticker on it that said "not regulated," and everybody's like, "Oh, so it's the good cheese." It's like <laughs> it was a bizarre part. Like I learned that when I visited London. I was like, "Oh, so y'all take a look at that and go, sweet, illicit cheese. I love it." And it's like I, I kind of love that. It's a cultural response. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 legal until it isn't. It you could potentially say anything that's genetically modified since the dawn of human history is now illegal, and suddenly France can't have food like, <laughs> and, that, and now things are going to get dire real fast <laughs> but, or you could say non-gmos and why by gmos i specifically mean this one particular strand of soy because we have prosecuted that case only well now you're out of that particular strand of soy and that's about it yeah interesting so it depends <laughs> it's the legal answer of all time but it still it applies <laughs> interesting okay that that, that that's I have a lot to go off of that. Think so of for... it in the sense of like, you know, you're in high school and you're everybody's like, okay, you're not allowed to have your phones out or whatever. Mm -hmm. But some teachers just don't care. Right. All, and everybody has their phones out. It's not that that rule has changed. <laughs> it's that it's nobody's just... enforcing it. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And now I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a very strange search history as I look up French cheese laws. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, welcome to that mess. <laughs> <laughs> But no, and I also had the idea of, of putting a, a grape on a t-shirt that, that says I'm a non-GMO, but I figured that might get me in trouble. Um, but oh, hold on, Brendan. I just disconnected my headphones on accident. Nope, oh, no worries. Hold on. All right, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was, I was just saying that I, I had the idea of, of making a t-shirt that has a grape on it that says I'm not a GMO, but that might get me in trouble. <laughs> um, no, you should be okay. Not labels are fine, apparently. <laughs> apparently, if yeah. If you over that, you can make some really good change. Um, <laughs> this is true. One of the uh, things that we've actually been joking about with supersuits, um, fun fact, uh, well, I say fun in the way that lawyers say fun fact, meaning <laughs> it's not fun at all, but um, it's <laughs> superhero as a term was copyrighted by uh, DC and Marvel. Hmm. And there's only meaning that in your novels, in your books, in your magazines, in your text messages, if you are at all selling something to somebody via text, I guess, but hmm. um, you could be, if yeah. you use the word superhero, you are liable. 
in theory. There has only been a couple of cases about this where they have actually won, and it was when it was in the title of the thing, and it seemed to be only at like a state trial level. So meaning that it is not nationally recognized yet. And it is the same thing with the word, and here's where you might find this interesting, especially with GMOs, mutant. Hmm, interesting. Because of the X-Men, yeah. Yeah. So we've been joking with supersuits because it's, one, frankly ridiculous that superhero is a copyrighted word. That's yeah. bonkers. And Jack Kirby would be, like, rolling in his grave. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. like, um, but we're running a, a podcast called Supersuits, and we are halfway con- uh, curious if anybody's going to try to sue us over using the word superheroes, because, one, that is free publicity, and we will absolutely take that. <laughs> but, two... What a wonderful opportunity to make change for Creative Commons ideas that have been around long enough that they should be in Creative Commons by legal definition, and certainly are Creative Commons in a cultural definition. Um, So as as a former attorney, my advice is cause some trouble. Do it. Interesting. (laughs) I I like that advice. Um, I mean, if if you guys do get sued, then I, I am. Would that be great? That that would I be feel fantastic. Like everybody would hop on and be like, "Yeah, screw Marvel!" And like, oh yeah, a million supporters. So no, I I would be on your team. I mean, I'm right? I'm trying to produce a a series of, of comic books myself based on agricultural stories that I would like to use superhero in. So that that would be and you very should beneficial. be able to. Superheroes are one of the few. Uh, like it was a a Jewish American art. It was so endemic to our culture in the 30s, 40s, and 50s that it shaped, like, our fashion. It shaped our notion of family. It shaped our notion of market. Mm -hmm. It was huge. And to say that that is specific to two companies that, by the way, cooperated just that once to get the copyright (laughs) and then immediately parted. Yeah, Um, that's the only time they ever agreed. And now that Disney owns Marvel, let that one percolate. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, in other words, use it with wild abandon. It's kind of the same thing with like photoshopping. Eventually, it becomes a verb, and they can't do anything about it because that's how language works. <laughs> or Velcro. Yeah, that's all right. Or Kleenex. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, that <laughs> man, that's uh, so funny. But no, I, I, I definitely think that you're onto something there. I think that we need to. I think we need to start a revolt against against uh, Marvel and DC for that one. Let them, but... let them eat themselves. They'll do it eventually. But just make enough books with superhero on it, and they will have to eat their own dirt real fast. <laughs> just like, all right, <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, but yeah, cause some trouble. Awesome, I like it. Sometimes <laughs> I like it. Um, so, so one more thing on the um, on the foreign GMO issue. I, I wanted to yeah. share a story that I've I've discussed briefly on the show before, but I kind of wanted to discuss uh-huh. it in more depth surrounding our our conversation. Sure. Um, so I so in my hometown of Tulare, back in in the smack dab middle of California, um, uh-huh. we have this little show and when i say little i mean not little at all it's it's incredibly (laughs) massive the only exciting thing that happens in my small town at all um (laughs) it's called the international agri center or uh, the international farm show uh the international Uh ag uh internet i'm forgetting the name of it (laughs) google it quick and then edit later How, the World Ag Expo. It's at the International Agri Center. That's what it is. I, I was like, I have gone to this thing every year of my life, and I have made an entire <laughs> video series about it three years in a row. How have I forgotten the name of it? Sometimes your brain just decides, well, that's not useful right now. You know, it, it's been one of those days. and you know, my, my brain has just been a bit slow. <laughs> Run into that again, and this time with confidence. What, what's right. it called, Brendan? It's called the World Ag Expo, and it is hosted at the International Agri Center. Okay. 
There we go. Anyways, so it's it's a we call I think part of the reason is because at my hometown we call it the farm show. So like we don't even call uh, it we don't use yeah. the whole the, the whole name for it. Um but I'll yeah, so it. yeah. Like Velcro. Exactly. <laughs> um but it, well it used to actually be called the farm show and then they changed it to the world like it's it's a whole thing. Anyways, names are weird. Um They are. But farmer basically it's a it's a trade show where inventors technicians engineers can show off new technology and, and methods they're implementing into agricultural you know industries around their surrounding area um sure. so this is where we see like the introduction of all kinds of new stuff you mean know, like robotic milkers solar powered tractors i mean like you name it it's out there um sure. really cool stuff and i i love going because it's like disneyland for farmers it's awesome sure yeah. <laughs> um and so I, I mean, I've gone to it every year since I was a little kid. And when I got into got into my first couple of years of college, I started doing a lot of media coverage over there. And I was um, actually working with the teams that put it on. So they actually like gave me like a whole media badge and stuff. It was really cool. Um, but one of the years I was in high school, while I was there. I was uh, working this, this this little booth, helping out one of my, my friend's uh, dad's booths. And mm-hmm. this uh, farmer from Sweden came over because, I mean, we get farmers and like, you know, industrymen from all over the world. I mean, I, I met people sure. from Italy, Germany, like everywhere, um, which is, is super cool. I love it. I mean, like that was one of the things that really got me interested in connecting with people across, you know, across the, the world. It makes um, a difference. It makes a huge difference. It does. More than you'd ever think. <laughs> yeah. It makes a huge difference. No, it yeah. opens your eyes. I mean, it mm-hmm. shows you like new cultures, new perspectives on things. It's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But I got into a conversation with this with this Swedish farmer, and he was like probably on the I would say on the younger side. I mean, um, I, I really don't know his age, but he which Swedish people they they vary in like it, it, for to me all Swedish yeah. people look young. <laughs> Um, yep. <laughs> so like he he could have been like sixty and, and, re, and he looked like he was thirty. So, sure. it, <laughs> um, but he was you know this younger guy and he was talking to me about how he was involved in a bunch of research they're doing in Sweden um, on mm-hmm. GMOs and I was like oh that's okay. interesting and we were talking about GMOs and this is like way back you know twenty fifteen twenty sixteen you know GMOs were still controversial but there was like a lot of this is like back when like it was it big was you know like yeah. there. Like yeah. there was a, a lot going on in the world with GMOs, um, like a lot of countries were banning them. A lot of people were like skeptical. Like this is like like in the heat of the debate with GMOs. Sure. Um, you know this is before people started to not care as much. Now people don't really care as much as they used to. Um, but sure. this they is back. Those GMO grapes and they're living the good life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so he was telling me about how in Sweden they hadn't banned GMOs on a legal level. But because so many of the Swedish citizens were against GMOs, mostly mm-hmm. because of lack of information, you know, they didn't have great education on what the subject was, or like what GMOs sure. were really like. But exactly. It was it was a new science. It was a new subject that was really being introduced. They didn't like it. So mm-hmm. instead of banning it, the the Swedish government basically said like, you know, enough people aren't going to pay for these. We're not going to subsidize growing them. We're basically going to oh. give like a soft outlaw on GMOs. Sure. Yeah. That's the other way you can do it. If you can right. make sure that they don't happen to begin with. Yeah. Exactly. So this yep. soft outlaw caused I mean, to to this day, I haven't really gotten to like keep up with Swedish agriculture. Um sure. but the guy <laughs> was telling niche. me <laughs> um the guy was telling me that he was really worried about what was gonna happen with Sweden because they are already facing a bit of a food crisis in terms of food security. I mean, they were already sure. importing more than they were uh, more than they were growing. And right, yeah. they and he was saying that because of the amount of urbanization that's happening in, in his country, that without GMOs, he saw a very high risk of Sweden becoming entirely dependent on imports. 
And, and that puts you in a really uncomfortable position politically. Exactly. It basically makes right. you the slave of whoever wants to give you food. Right. And so he you was... To trust in the goodwill of people, and that's a <laughs> tough one to come by. <laughs> it is, especially when you're dealing with foreign relations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so he basically said, like, you know, we're GMO scientists, and we've been, like, trying to push, like, campaigns out there for people to trust GMOs, and they're just not biting it. And it's really tough because, like, we're not pushing it for political reasons. We're not pushing it for, like, hey, you guys should trust GMOs because, like, you know, we want you know, we want you to, to follow what we say. We're pushing sure. it because if we do not do this, we run a very high risk of not being able to feed ourselves. And that's going to be yeah. a big issue. Right. And, like, maybe we have bones to pick about how we go about it. Sure, fine, whatever. But, like, we're hitting the wrong problem here, y'all. <laughs> right. And and he was right. saying, like, it, this isn't even, like, something legal that we can fight. This is an entirely public perspective-based issue, and that's a lot harder to get rid of. I would, maybe. It depends on the government. That's uh, true. Hold on. Well, go ahead. Ask the, ask the question you had for it, or what, was that it? Was that, was that the whole scenario? Well, I was mostly just going to get get to the point that, you know, a lot of countries are, some are, are straight up banning them on, on a legal level, but a lot of them are just putting these soft outlaws just to prevent yeah. a lot of that stuff from happening. And most of the countries that are doing it don't have a specific reason for it. It's mostly because their citizens yeah. just don't trust it. It's reactionary. Sure. Yeah. Well, okay, so this is this is a thing that I came across a lot in law school, and it's actually one of the big reasons I left the legal practice, aside from the whole, oh, this is actually wildly depressing um, <laughs> aspect, but um, yep. the answer is often not legal, like, or mm. not in the sense of, like, it's illegal, but, like, it's you're looking for a legal response where that's not actually going to do you any good. Um, like, public perception, for example. Say we manage to get the FDA to <laughs> humor me to get the <laughs> FDA to cooperate and be like working in good faith and not having insane supplement laws and like actually for the good of both people and the farmers and everything instead of you know lobbyists and all that whatever but like imagine for a moment that we did that there's still such a huge public misperception on so much stuff that mm -hmm. you are really looking at a marketing problem you're right. looking at a marketing problem rather than a legal problem. Like he was struggling with a marketing problem rather than a legal problem and possibly an education problem. But really, I mean, so people are only going to learn so much. And I don't want to sound pessimistic about that because I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to say. Um, one of the reasons that we want to have experts is so that we don't have to have everybody be an expert. We just want to be able to trust our experts, right? Right. Um, and that's part of why I admire a lot of what you're doing on Tagactomy because you're saying, listen, I've got this expertise and it's not scary. <laughs> Let me explain <laughs> it to you so that at the very least you can trust me later when I say I swear there's no GMO traits. <laughs> and I can go like, listen, Brendan hasn't steered me wrong yet. Um, I'm willing to bet that if he's made a mistake, it's in good faith, right? And I can trust him as an expert, as a person, rather than as just like he's a scientist attached to your name and there, therefore all is golden. Um, so what you're looking at instead is a trust issue. Um, anything that comes from them because they're GMO scientists is going to be a trust issue. Um, the moment somebody points it out, it's over, right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at an educational uh, issue that can only be solved with marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, um, that's the basis of yeah. a lot of uh, issues in agriculture. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Um, one of the things that I argued for back in law school, I didn't, I, it didn't let them publish the article because it would have been disastrous in practice. I didn't want anybody citing me, but um, <laughs> was essentially that agriculture, trees, forests, or any kind of um, environmental landmark should have appointed free counsel so that mm. it could, in theory, have a voice of its own. 
For, Interesting. So for, the, uh, for example, say this particular crop got wiped out. In theory, the crop could sue the farmers. Like, did you screw up and do some irresp- irresponsible monoculturing? Is that on you? And like, therefore, we could hold humans responsible for environmental disasters that were predictable but don't have a human fault or flaw. And thus, there's nobody to sue. There's nobody to jail. And often those get overlooked because what do you do about that, right? Interesting. Um, it's not really under the purview of... Uh, civil courts to find a criminal fault in a regulatory problem. You basically had a, a, a mishap in three different sectors of how the law is, is made and governed, and none of them have full jurisdiction. So a lot of environmental problems get kind of tossed under the rug like that because nobody really has a say on it because, mm-hmm. again, it's legal until it's not, right? Right. Um, So say you're looking at a marketing problem like that. What you're wanting to push for then is that, hey, actually the courts have the final say on this, not regulation. Hmm, Hmm. interesting. Okay, now you have an authority. Mind you, that authority still is going to make a decision probably. Um, And I would, in general, mind you, I'm biased. I really happen to like the judicial system, but (laughs) I, I, there's a whole lot of problems with it. But it's at least unpredictable enough that change is welcome and likely. Um, whereas regulatory systems are going to, at least in the U.S., fall more under political purview because they're reappointed with each administration. Um, executive obviously is, um, and legislative <laughs> is, we haven't yep. had an effective legislative system in, <laughs> ever, maybe? But, yep. um, so, but I, I tend to, like, it's, I hate lesser of evils, but like, it kind of is the judicial system. So, <laughs> Say you find an authority, now the authority has to potentially make a claim on it at some point. Everybody's got their eyes on them, and it's now up to them specifically to educate themselves. So Hmm. you don't have to trust the education to reach everybody. Probably won't. You don't have to trust your marketing campaign to change everybody's hearts. Probably won't. But what you can do is you can appeal to a source that they will trust or will it be enforced. Hmm. I like that. And of course... Yeah, so there's a bunch of philosophical qualms with that of like, okay, but if we have to result to force, is it good policy? And eh. <laughs> <laughs> humans are weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very circumstantial situation. Like, I mean, there's also anti-vaxxers. Like, I would I'd argue that's pretty actively harmful right. <laughs> um, by by choosing the not route rather than going for something. Um, it's it's all very. It depends. Is the all lawyers will make fun of themselves and say like that's the answer to literally every legal question is it depends. But hopefully that sheds some clarity onto how that kind of thing happens and how you can rectify it. Is step one find an authority, and even if that means you appoint them yourselves. Mm-hmm. Honestly, just having somebody show up at town hall and say I think Judge so and so should rule on it, like that actually makes a lot of progress because hmm. now somebody's like okay, well they said it, not me. So that's on them if it goes bad. <laughs> but it means something's happening. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I like that. And and that's it's it's funny you say that that's the lawyer's response to everything is is everything depends because that's kind of that's that's kind of my catchphrase of this podcast is you know, it, somebody asks me a question I'm like, "Well, <laughs> Yeah. People are like, "Are GMOs bad?" Well, it, it depends. depends. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. That's, yeah. that's more or less ha- what happens in courts. And I feel like, I mean, we've got a lot of legal dramas. Hell, I'm about to make a legal comedy myself. But um, it's over-dramatized in a way that makes it easily parsable in small chunks of information. I think we all know that on, like, some cognitive level, but haven't taken that to heart. Courts mm-hmm. are really just like this. Yep. Like, if it's a, if it's a, you've got a decent judge, you're not dealing with a whole bunch of corruption, which, again, is a whole lot of ifs. But mm-hmm. that 
the way that they're supposed to work is like this, where I go, is that what it does? And you go, kind of. And then you <laughs> explain when it does and it doesn't. And then the judge is supposed to make a ruling going, okay, well then let's not do the stuff where it's bad and let's do the stuff where it's good. To, you know, marginal successes and marginal errors. But um, the court is not your enemy. It is not necessarily your friend either, but it's kind of a big <laughs> neutral potential. Well, like GMOs. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it causes, you know, it, it gives something that we need in life, which is, you know, a, 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 not only a neutrality, but also a moderation, you know? Yep. So, yep, yep, yeah, yep. I think that's a good point. Um, yeah, and the I think that... The law is that it is supposed to change. I think that right. gets ignored a lot. That was what I liked about law to begin with and realized that that was that actually how our system was built. But um, it's meant to change. We're meant to learn more stuff. And if we say GMOs are banned... Well, in theory, we should be able to get rid of that later. The issue with it is that politically and at the, at the moment, the way the world runs is that that's not a feasible thing to expect. So my argument, and I grant you this is my argument about literally anything when it comes to legalizing or illegalizing something, is make it reversible. Yeah, I like if that. If you're wrong, make it reversible because it should be able to change. Even if you're going through it with all good faith and you get it wrong, whatever. Right. Reverse it. Yeah, I mean, that we, we talked about this a little bit, you know, when when we started this episode but i mean that that is the foundational of you know, the, the foundational uh motto of this you know of, the, of this podcast is i can be wrong sometimes and when i am i will call it out and let, and let you guys know where i messed yeah. up you know it's be, being able to be liable for for errors and, and correcting them is is a lot more important than than just you know trying to be right all the time yep makes you a reliable source a reliable expert Exactly, and it, <laughs> that way you can pet the cows, and I don't have to. It's exactly. <laughs> no, exactly, and and that that is a big you know a, a big part of this. I mean, what I try to do on this show, you know, it, it's something yeah. that like we talked about earlier. GMOs are, are something that they just basically need a better marketing team. You know, they're, yeah, they're, they really do. And that, that's an issue with you know with a lot of things in agriculture, and I think a lot of things in the world is just they need a better conversation being had about them, you know, like, yeah. And, and that at the end of the day, I mean, that, that is the essential purpose of this show is an educational yeah. podcast. I mean, it's, it's my little opening blurb. It's dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's focused on, you know, not just providing answers and solutions and information. It's, you know, having a conversation that we can get to points. I mean, that's why I like talking to people who don't come from agricultural backgrounds like you, you yeah. know, it's, it's interesting to get the thoughts of somebody who doesn't grow up around that stuff. Cause I mean, back yeah. home, everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, GMOs are great. Why would you ever not support them? But I talked to somebody who doesn't right. know and they're like, can this kill me? I'm like, I didn't even think about that. I should probably look yeah. into that. <laughs> oh my God, you're so great. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. And I mean, this is, it's one of the big reasons that there's a huge push lately for um, non-traditional lawyers or non-traditional representatives, which has mm-hmm. its pros and cons because the system is oh, a lot. Um, and <laughs> there is a lot to be said for knowing about how injured, because again, bad faith actors, essentially there's traps everywhere and you don't know where you, what to look for. Odds are good that it's going to kind of go tits up real fast. But um, yeah. <laughs> But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have like an appointed experts in Congress going like, actually, that's not a thing, Senator, because like <laughs> that would save a lot of time. <laughs> um, yeah. And this has impact across all sorts of different industries in our day to day life. Um, having experts be able to speak to each other is huge. <laughs> right. No, exactly. I mean, that, that has been a big push lately in the. Uh, ag communication sphere as well i mean a lot of people yeah the the ag communications thing has been growing steadily which i think is fantastic because we need a better 
you know, we, we need more people out there doing, not to pat myself on the back, but doing what I'm doing, you know, get out there. And have... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true, though. I mean, agriculture in, in particular has been notably isolated due to the nature of it. Like, if you're on a farm, you're not right. going to be in the middle of the city, so it's going to be kind of hard. Exactly. Um, so and and, and a big part of that is, you know, we're, we're not we're not engaging in, in productive conversation about these topics. We're kind right. of just, you know, we're, we're defending our piece yeah, of like, it, you know? Right. Well, because there's this, I mean, there's a, an artificial intensity being inserted into it by people who want to profit from it, you know, right. the huge. Exactly. You know, <laughs> but I mean, and, and like that goes back to the whole like Monsanto thing, which I know we didn't even yeah. get into, but that's a whole, you know, other yeah, conversation. That's a mess. Um, yeah. That, that is like when people, you know, when people say they don't trust GMOs and they cite Monsanto, I'm like, okay, fair enough. But that's a whole side issue. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, right. Like the issue wasn't the GMO. The issue was Monsanto being Right. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, yep. you know, it, it goes back to that whole, I mean, a, a big push lately in the ag, in the agcom uh, department has been if you're not willing to have the conversation, at the very least, don't just say something. Just you know, cite an article. You know, yeah. say like, hey, this expert did did research on this. Like, if you know, if you said, hey, you know, I don't I don't trust GMOs, I could not either calm down enough to, to have that conversation with you if it annoyed me, or if I just didn't have the time for it, I could just send you an article saying this is everything you need to know about GMOs. Can we talk about it after you read this? Like. Yeah, that that makes that, sense. You know, having that that ability to just say like, I am not an expert on this, but here is one. You know that yeah. that's a huge thing that we need to be doing more. That is definitely not happening. Yeah, agreed. I think we need to introduce but. I don't know into the common lexicon. Right <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> it, it's okay to not know things. Yeah. <laughs> and not only is it okay to not know, it's it's okay to ask other people for their thoughts on things too. It's the whole point of a community exactly have some people on different stuff it's good stuff i I saw a quote today i can't remember what it uh where where i saw it now but it was like um if if uh two people agree on some on on everything then one of them is useless (laughs) oh i love that oh my god i need to put that on a t-shirt and market it to my ex-colleagues that'd be great (laughs) thinking of marketing um yeah yeah, exactly pretty dang good too yeah there's no yeah. feasible way to have the exact same experience as, as somebody else and what's good for one person might be horrible for another and that doesn't change the aspect of it either way it's complicated right. it's more complicated than we want it to be almost always yeah i mean it's not worth tackling that's that was other, my other big complaint with laws so there's a lot of stuff that's like yeah but that's too hard to get into like it's literally your job <laughs> right. I don't think that's a good enough reason to not do that. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that'd be like a you know, well, it'd be like a farmer being like, well, yeah, I, I could grow food to feed everybody, but that's really hard. It's like, well, that's yeah, what you're being like, paid well, for, like, <laughs> right? That's the whole premise here, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody yeah. else is doing it. That's why we're paying you to do it. <laughs> right. That was but, the whole concept behind the subsidies, my dude. You gotta go. You gotta yeah. do the thing. <laughs> no, I. So I, I found the quote. It is if, if two people. People agree on everything one of them is unnecessary and it's it's by <laughs> it. it's by winston churchill of all people because of course it is oh boy um, of course it is yeah it's gotta be i was gonna say the unnecessary made it slightly more incendiary there's, there's the churchill touch yep <laughs> and it was uh, it was posted today by a buddy of mine who actually does another ag podcast it's called ag state of mm-hmm. mind jason shout out to you um actually he, he's gonna be the next episode so that kind of works out Fantastic. um hi jason <laughs> he does a podcast all about mental health and agriculture which is another big issue that oh, needs to be addressed cool. um yeah but yeah so that kind of i mean 
we we can talk in circles for hours about you know the amount of things that could be fixed on all fronts of <laughs> legal and agricultural and conversational mm-hmm. and societal but <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> i don't i don't think we're in we're in a solid enough position to have all the answers just yet almost by definition we're not no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think that kind of wraps up all the all the points i had on this did you have any other questions about i know we didn't address everything that we oh, wanted to millions. but it's a big topic I was going to say, so. I always have more questions, Brendan. You know me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've learned a lot more, and I, I have a better idea of how to participate in those conversations because before, I'd have people tell me, I would never touch a GMO, and my question was always, why? Right. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know why. Do you know why? You seem to feel very strongly. Um, Which, so that's a valid a question. Idea of like how to be like, oh, is it because of the monoculture risk or is it because of a, like a capitalist risk or whatever? Like it's a, it's a more meaningful way to um, engage with that and other small business owners and potentially help educate folks that are possibly paying too much for, <laughs> you know, their non-GMO grapes. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, and that's another big thing to, to go on another tangent. I mean, another big thing I push, which is it's okay to ask why. Like yeah. if somebody says, oh, I don't support that. Don't just go along with what they say. Ask them why, you know, say, okay, well, yeah. you know, what, what's your reason? Do you have like a specific purpose? Have you done research in this? Like what, what's causing you to How not you support that? I feel strongly that? about this. Like, yeah, you have, you seem to have a stance. Where is that coming from? Right. Which, you know, that, that's a good point. But um, no, I think that, you know, to, to summarize our conversation as a whole and to answer your essential question about the whole, you know, is non-GMO actually better? Is it more wholesome? Why do people like this so much? <laughs> non-gmo has a much better marketing team than gmo that's as simple as i can put it it. (laughs) got it (laughs) so (laughs) all right well i think that kind of covers everything so uh, before we close out here if you have any other comments like to make go ahead otherwise remind everybody who they are and where they can find all of your cool stuff Sure thing. Um, my name is Amelia Kinch. I go by Amy to my friends like Brendan here. Um, <laughs> and I run the Faustian Nonsense uh, Podcast Network. And we've just released Jack of All Trades. You can find it on any of your favorite podcasting platforms or straight through the Faustian Nonsense website. And all the links are there. And that's FaustianNonsense.com. Pretty easy to find. Or on Twitter, we are at Faust Nonsense. We have learned how to use Twitter and we're <laughs> coping with that. Um, <laughs> and if you have the inclination to voice act or perhaps... Uh, be a thorn in the side of Marvel and DC. Uh, reach out to us about super suits. We currently are open to all auditions for all of the main members of the cast. And we are working with already, we've got a couple folks cast. Um, if anybody's familiar with the Magnus archives, we've got Ben Meredith and his brother, Tim Meredith. And a few others that I won't name publicly just yet. But if you happen to be a fan of the Magnus archives, you'll, you'll like our cast. Interesting. <laughs> Awesome. Well, yeah. So thank you so much, Amy. I'm going to put all the links down in the description so everyone can go find your stuff. Um, for, le- for legal reasons, uh, Talk Agony is not liable for any action taken against Marvel or DC. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brendan, you're not standing with me? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I, I'm no, standing with you, but my podcast is not. <laughs> <laughs> that is a smart legal distinction. Former attorney, I applaud that. Good for you. <laughs> as, as, a, as a purely agricultural podcast, I cannot take political action or legal action, but as an individual, I'm with you. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, so I, I I love it. I love all the conversation. It's always a lot of fun having you on the show, uh, whether it be Thanks talking about cows or, or or tigers or GMOs. It's always a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so thanks again amy for for joining us it's always you know it's always a pleasure i hope to have you back on sometime in the future you know for, for another fun you conversation um, <laughs> or good to me. or even if you know if the recording button's not on just having a fun conversation is always a good time too um Agreed. <laughs> but yeah so and maybe, maybe who knows maybe you'll be one of our superheroes on super suits eh? <laughs> hey i would love to i'm a big you know the superhero Agnes. fan i could be Ag- <laughs> i could use one of the superheroes i made for my comic book please okay we're gonna have a talk about this all right you got it (laughs) and (laughs) so yeah so that covers everything for this episode so thank you all so much for tuning in and for having fun with us for this hour and a half i hope that you all enjoyed and hopefully learned a thing or two just like we did today um i learned about cheese laws in france and hopefully amy learned a thing or two about gmos as a concept and as a legal issue um but yeah so that covers everything i hope to catch you all next week and don't forget if you ate today Thank a farmer. <laughs>